Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Every 26 seconds, a child is trafficked globally. Director-producer Kelly Galindo shares her documentary on global sex trafficking titled 26 Seconds. Kelly is an American actress, director, producer. Her work has spanned decades in television, theater, and film. She's currently directing 26 Seconds, a documentary feature film that's based on a horrific cause that has driven her passion in giving a voice to children who are victims of the sex trade. For the past three years, this film has taken her around the world to experience and expose these horrors happening in the world today. In her film, she highlights the organizations that have actively stepped forward to do something about it. In addition, Kelly balances her directing and acting career while passing her craft on to future generations of students as a professor at Dodge College of Film and Media Arts at Chapman University. She's taught at the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television, as well as the Orange County School of Arts and the Playground. Kelly continues to be a proud lifetime member of the Actors Studio as a director and actor. And Carol, I understand Kelly is sponsored by From the Heart. Yes, Claire, we're so happy to have Kelly with us, and we love this documentary. Thank you, Kelly, for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Carol. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I owe Carol so much more than just interviewing me. I mean, Carol has been really um, believed in this project from from day one. I think uh, Carol became my fiscal sponsor maybe um, like right when I, I think when I got back from Thailand and Cambodia. And then after that, I filmed in seven more countries. And um, and uh, Carol also, uh, uh, I, I received a Roy Dean grant with from the Heart Production. So I can't thank you enough, Carol, for all of your support with 26 Seconds and your belief in the project. Oh, you're so welcome. It's it's imperative to get this finished. I know how hard you're working on it. So, but your background in filmmaking is wonderful. Uh, acting and directing and producing talent in all these areas—that's incredible. And then teaching talent. Besides, thank you very much for the work you're doing to support all of us with this. So today, what we want to cover is we want to know more about 26 Seconds. And I think it would be fun to start with why you decided to make this film. I know it's a pressing issue, but my question is, why are you willing to put four to five years into the making of this specific documentary, Kelly? Um so, so there's a three-part answer. <clears throat> One, I was list- I think that was an old bio I gave her because it said, when she was reading it, it said for the past three years. But you're right, Carol, it's been five now. Um, so I need to update that, <laughs> that bio. Yes, I've been on this project um, since 2016. Um, <clears throat> the, the reason I decided to do it was, well, first of all, as a, as a professor in film, we're able to use the equipment and editing suites, which, you know, saves you some money. So um, I knew I wanted to work on a project. I just knew that I wanted it to be a project that mattered because, as you know, it doesn't matter what kind of project you're working on. It takes your whole life for about five years. I've done a play that took five years of my life, you know, so from, you know, pre-production to production, and then, it, and then the production kept getting extended and <clears throat> et cetera. So whatever project you're working on, it takes a good part of your life. And I decided at this point in my life, I only wanted to do projects that mattered. You know, we only have so much time on this uh, planet and I not only wanted to work on something worthwhile, but I wanted to work on something that's going to leave the planet a better place, obviously. Um, I mean, and I also think uh, to answer your question too, I think a little bit of it 
um, is too, I never had children. So I think that, um, you know, no matter what, when you're a woman, you have um, maternal instincts. You know, I, I noticed it. That's why I teach probably, <laughs> you know, you know, <clears throat> I like to mentor, you know, young people. And um, so I think that that was part of the reason that uh, drove me is like, because everybody, not everybody, but most people that have children, that's what they're leaving behind that lifetime of um, raising a child and, and that's who's being left behind. I remember I had a girlfriend tell me, oh, my gosh, Kelly, I feel like I've done nothing in my life, and you're doing such great work. I said, what are you talking about? You had six kids. <laughs> you had, yeah, oh, my goodness. Busy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's the same thing. You know, it's raising those children up, and she raised six incredible girls. She she has. So so I think that that was, you know, deep down part of it maybe. But, but what happened, Carol, is I heard, and this was like a good 10 years ago, I heard um, there was an episode on Dateline about sex tourism in Thailand. And I was horrified. I mean, basically, it's giving pedophiles a um, green light to be able to fly to Thailand and rape children, <clears throat> uh, have sex with children. That, that's basically what it is. And, um, and it's mostly, you know, it's, it's, it's Australian, European, and American men that go there. <clears throat> so, oh, my gosh. I, yeah, I was pretty horrified. And, um, but at that, at that time, I didn't know how I was going to go about it. I just knew that that was the project I needed to work on. So, again, that was like 10 years ago I heard that. And then five years ago <clears> – <throat> It was really a, a, actually a, you know, well, it's, um, it's not coincidence. You know, it's, I think when things are meant to be, they're meant to be. But I went to my niece's uh, baby shower and one of her friends that she grew up with walked in and, you know, I gave her a big hug and she had a shirt on that said Destiny Rescue. So I said, oh, Jennifer, what's that? She goes, oh, I work for a uh, nonprofit organization that rescues children from the sex trade in Thailand. I was like, what? <laughs> and I said, oh, my gosh, I've been wanting to do a project on this. She goes, really? She says, because I'm, a, I'm the assistant to the international director here in the States. Would you like to meet him? Yes. <laughs> so that, that's how it started. And, um, and I met with them, and it took a good at least six months before they approve me um, filming, as it should. You know, they want to make sure that, um, you know, uh, that, that, that first of all, they're, they're a nonprofit Christian organization, so they wanted to make sure that I was equally yoked and, and had the same beliefs. But secondly, they want, and more importantly, they want to make sure that whoever's going with them doesn't have sinister um, uh, uh, reasons behind it and, and a pedophile themselves, you know. So they do extensive background. And um, But what happened was, after I was on that organization, it's a bit of a small world. Like all the organizations know each other. So when, when they trusted me, they introduced me to another nonprofit. And then, there, and then I started go, going to other countries. And then they would introduce me to another organization. And then I was off to another country. So, you know, uh, you know I think it took me a total of three years to film um, because I was filming only in the summer and in the winter when I wasn't teaching. So it took me three years to film. So anyhow, three years later, nine countries later, um, and then COVID <laughs> hit. <laughs> anyways, it's a, anyways, so, but that's what, why I think, number one, I saw that, that episode on Dateline that just um, was horrific to me, and I thought it needed to be exposed. You know, there, there's no, I mean, the main thing is that when, when Europeans or Australians or Americans land, they should be arrested immediately is, is, is the end goal. That's what I would like, right? But it first starts with creating awareness so that then laws can be changed, not only internationally, but here in the States as well. Absolutely. Well, tell us where you are in production right now. Well, production is finished. Um, I, my last country was in East Africa in 2019. And then, um, uh, you know, when I got back from Thailand and Cambodia, I did um, edit a, a short documentary that's done really well. It's won like 20 awards, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, an honor and, um, and, uh, and a surprise, really, because I really edited that as a, not as a, well, the intention wasn't as a short. It was as a, really a um, investor's teaser is, you know, I was gonna, I was going to show what I did in Cambodia and Thailand, what I, what I edited is what I was going similarities would be with the other countries that I was filming in. Right. That was the intention. Um, but no investors were coming on. So I released it as a short and, you know, to my surprise, it did really, really well. And, um, 
and I'm proud of that. And then COVID hit. And so, I, you know, Chapman shut down because that's where I do all my editing and work. So um, I decided to, I didn't want, I mean, you know, you know how everybody was nuts during that time. I mean, I just had to get my mind off what was, because it wasn't just COVID. It was the election. I mean, it was crazy. It was craziness happening. You know, all those, uh, I mean, all those, uh, you know, what were they called? You know, when they were lighting cities on fire and killing business owners. I mean, these riots and looting. I mean, it was crazy during that time. I mean, I, I, it was like a, you know, we were living in twilight zone. So anyhow, I, I said, I got to get my mind off this. So I decided to edit like um, five to 15 minute um, videos, which I was talking to you about earlier, Carol, uh, of um, the U.S. content, because I had so much U.S. content that I knew that all of it wouldn't fit in the in the feature documentary. So I wanted yeah. to highlight, yeah, so I wanted to highlight not only the nonprofits that are doing incredible work, but, but create awareness about the issue, obviously, and, and create awareness about 26 seconds. So that's that's what I did. <laughs> so anyways, the, the, your, your question was, where am I right now? I'm in post-production um, for the feature, but you know, I have to, I need to raise funding for that. So I just I'm I want to finish about five more videos for YouTube from the US content and then so that it gives me time basically to work on production and raising funding for the feature. And then I'll start editing the feature to include um all nine countries I filmed. Nine countries. Wow. I know. I, you know, when I first met you and I started hearing the stories of the countries you went to it sounds like a dangerous mission for anyone. Getting these interviews is like getting evidence um, of a heinous crime that's being committed. So uh, tell us how were you able to convince these women to talk to you on camera when they're so frightened? Well, I, I have to say, without me, you know, I partnered with o over uh, 40 nonprofit um, organizations, and if I hadn't partnered with them, I wouldn't have had access to, to either film undercover with their rescue agents or um, interview the survivors, because these were girls that were already um, rescued and in their um, aftercare, in their restoration program. Uh, I, you know, I, so I didn't really, I did not interview girls that were currently still in the life. Um, they were all girls that were already rescued and in the, re you know, in the restoration process, whether it was they were there one month or one year, you know, what have you. Um, and mind you, Carol, you know, not all the girls, I have a lot of girls that I've um, interviewed that became survivor advocates and they've created nonprofits themselves and they're doing incredible work, right? Because they can reach the girls better than anybody. They've been there themselves. But there's also... A high percentage of girls that go back to the life you know it's I, I share this a lot because I want people to understand um, you know they're living with such high um, trauma and PTSD and um, and if there's no reintegration no if, if, if somebody hasn't taught them a trade or a craft or educated them to be able to get another job they're you know they're gonna go back into the life so that they can earn money it's all they know so, um, uh, yeah, survivors are a little bit like addicts. You know, they can go to rehab two, three, four, five, six, seven times. You know, they don't always get sober on the first time. So, exactly. um, any, yeah. so a lot of the girls that I interviewed it, did end up going back to the life. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Well, let's go to these. Um, how many countries did you shoot in? I shot in uh, nine countries. Um, I was in Thailand, Cambodia, uh, Iraq, India, East Africa. I was in three countries in East Africa. I was in um, Uganda, um, uh, Kenya, and Tanzania, and then uh, Mexico. Uh, I, you know, did the border issue in Tijuana, but I also went to Mexico City, and um, and then here in the U.S. And in the U.S., I was mostly in Southern California. Um, Probably because it was the most, you know, I, it's really funny. You know, I always feel like God's a, a thousand steps ahead of me <laughs> because I basically was filming in L.A., Orange County, and San Diego because it was near Chapman University and where I live, so it was convenient, right? Um, I also sh uh, shot it in Las Vegas, and I also shot at the Super Bowl, and that was in Minneapolis, so so we flew there. But, 
bottom line is I mostly filmed in Southern California, and so I would have these thoughts like, well, how is that going to represent the whole U.S., right? And um, mm-hmm. because in Vegas, it's expected, you know, in Las Vegas. So I was like, how is this going to represent like the Midwest and the South and the, you know, because it's happening everywhere, Carol, every city, every state, every country. Like it, it, it's, and, and with the trafficking that's done online now, traffickers sell girls online. It's, it's, it's astronomical. I mean, you can't even, we, we don't even know the numbers online. And, um, oh my God. Anyhow. Yeah, it's awful. So long story short, I was like, how is Southern California going to represent the U.S.? And to my um, surprise, uh, traffickers take girls, they cross the state line and they take girls, you know, from the south, from the Midwest, from the east. They take them on a circuit and they all end up coming to Orange County and San Diego because there's more money to be made. So it's not just like homegrown. They, They they. they uh, circuit these girls. They, they, you know, they travel and they all come to Orange County and San Diego because that's where they can make the most money. <clears throat> it, 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 that's, it, it's amazing. Because yeah. you always think of that as a very Christian-centered area. Yeah, but what it is, it's affluent. There's money, and there's also conventions. So men from all over the, the country come to conventions in San Diego and Orange County for work. And there's also sports in both of those cities, especially San Diego. There's a lot. And then there's the border issue in San Diego. So it's um, uh, a lot of money for traffickers to make. So, And bottom line is, you know, because people ask me, why the Super Bowl? And I go, well, it's not just the Super Bowl. It's also the Olympics. It's, traffickers go where there's men. Oh, They go right. where there's men. That, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and what I found very disturbing, Carol, when I interviewed these girls, because I would always ask them, what were your Johns like, you know, their customers? And um, all the time they would say judges, attorneys, teachers, uh, cops, um, and always, always married men. Always. Always married men. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, so a man leaves his, you know, bye, honey, I'm going to the Super Bowl with my buddies. Have fun, honey. And then they're, you know, buying girls. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a wake-up yeah. call for women yeah. to recognize this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I really love the short films that you're making. <clears throat> you've got the three-act structure. You've got everything you would have in a feature. It's all in there. Uh, and you've uh, taught us something. Every time I see one, I learn how to recognize sex traffickers easier. So tell me more about, let's take one of these that you made. Um, you made a, one with uh, the ex-Navy SEALs who search and rescue runaway teens. Tell me about that. Oh, these are such a great group of guys. What a great organization. These are ex-Navy SEALs. And uh, so, first of all, they're they're so trained, you know, and when they come home, they're not putting their skills to use. So um, the founder of um, of uh, Saved in America, he was actually an investigator, the founder, but he created this organization and he hired ex-Navy SEALs. And, and, and I shouldn't say hired because they volunteer their time. They don't make a dime. They volunteer their time. So, but he put this group together of ex-Navy SEALs, so they're so trained. And, they, and what they focus on is prevention, which is so important. And let me explain, because they do rescue girls, but let me explain to you what prevention means. Prevention is they rescue runaway teens before they get trafficked, because the, the average, when, when a teen runs away, within two weeks, a trafficker will approach her and and start trafficking her so they have a so this is such a great organization for parents to be able to know that they can call and um and they do it for absolutely free and they rescue these girls before they're trafficked or you know they might have been trafficked a week or a month at the most but they go in they find them and they rescue them and they they of course work with with law enforcement um, but uh, they're skilled and they're um, they're heroes. You know, they, they, I think that this is a very, um, you know, not only is it um, incredible for these girls, but it, but it's also healing for them. I mean, again, these men come home and they have nothing to do with their skills, and and 
And so what they're trying to do, this one is located in San Diego, but they're trying to get a Saved in America in every city, in every state, as it should. And it would be a great thing not only for to rescue girls, um, uh, runaway girls, and also if they've already started to be trafficked, but also for all these men to be able to put their skills to work. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That sounds marvelous. Well, <clears throat> Tell me how you're using these 10-minute stories. What are you doing and where are you posting them? Well, I'm posting them on, well, of course, they're on my website and um, and I'll post them, you know, and, and on my social media. But I do have um, a channel, a YouTube channel now called 26 Seconds YouTube Channel. And um, I'm just posting up all my videos there. And um, at first it was just, actually, it was one of my students, actually, when I was editing, she goes, why don't you put these on YouTube? She goes, I, she goes, I used to do these little like one to three minute like videos for makeup. And she goes, and I got like 30,000 subscribers. I said, what? <laughs> because my whole thing is about creating awareness. You know, that's my main goal. It's, you know, I want to create awareness. So I said, oh my God. And so she helped. So she's the one that helped me like get started. You know, these kids know everything. <laughs> so um, she's the one that taught me the whole thing to put on YouTube and um and I'm so glad and and uh I forget when well, we started this during quarantine right and I already I just hit like a, a thousand subscribers so I'm very happy you know I hope it keeps growing um because the whole point is is to create awareness it's for people to see this not only so that they're aware of the issue like you were saying Carol now you kind of know what to look for but also so that yeah. they're aware of um where they can go to help I mean I think. You know, I'm an optimist. I think most people are good because I, I am work, I am filming in a world with a lot of evil people. You know, the traffickers, the madams, the pimps, the the Johns. The, you know, it's it's a lot of dark darkness and evil. But but there are a lot of good people. I've met them. All these rescue agents, all these founders of these organizations. I mean, these are incredible men and women. And um, and so I think the average person actually is good, and, and they would love to help, but they just don't know how. So I thought that by introducing these nonprofits that, I'm, that I worked with here in the States, that I've partnered with, and highlighting their organization, now I just thought it kind of killed, you know, three birds with one stone, right? It, 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 was, start, it was creating awareness about the issue. It was um, introducing the nonprofit so that the viewer can go, oh, that's in my city, or, oh, I resonate with that. You, you know, I want to help that organization. And then they can look them up and either, you know, serve time or donate money because, you know, they are nonprofits. As you know, Carol, nonprofits do need money to, to move forward, you know, and, and, yes. and really they, these people <clears> – <throat> are in the trenches doing the, the hard work. Absolutely and, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're supporting yeah. the nonprofits and educating us at the same time, right? Yeah, because I, um, <laughs> you know, when I first started, <clears throat> I partnered with them because I knew nothing about it. I was just mortified with that a segment on Dateline that I saw. You know, I really knew nothing about it. I knew that I was going to learn as I went, right? And so there was no better way to learn than to partner with nonprofits that were already uh, doing work in prevention, rescue, restoration, reintegration. Like that was the best way for me to, uh, obviously, you have to, to document that in order to, right? But, but through it all, I was always open. I always said, God, I don't have any um, uh, end uh, game in this. I, I'm just, you know, I, I, you'll reveal what you want me to say and what you want me to do. And he has every step of the way. So, um, so through it, you know, all the, it was very clear that God really wanted me to highlight these organizations so that people, the viewer, would know where they could go to help so that they could right. also be a part of the solution. You know whether they want to donate their time or their skills or their or their talents or their or money or whatever whatever they want to do right um, so that they can also uh, I think people are more moved when they're part of the process rather than just watching it and you know because you know you know like my short uh, the, the founder his name is Tony Kerwin but the founder of Destiny Rescue there was and I put it in the short he said something like you know I can tell you these stories. Um, but if you just listen and don't do anything, well, then then it doesn't matter. Like, 
you, you, these, these stories are for, to, to uh, ignite you. They're they for you to, a call to action. They're for you to do something. Because if you don't do anything, then, then these girls are just going to be raped and sold over and over again. We all need to get into the fight. You know, it's not just about them watching something and saying, oh, that's terrible. No, 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 no. We need it to be an army that, you know, that, that I'm trying to create awareness to to for people to ignite people to a call to action. And I always believe that people's best way to get in the fight is with whatever their skills are, with whatever their like if you're an attorney, help in that way. If you're, yes. you know, I'm a filmmaker, so I'm helping in that way. Right. Whatever you are already doing, that's what you should that's what you should donate. That's what you should give. Right, where your right. skills are. There's always a, a need right. for you in that area. Well, uh, right. one of my favorite videos that you did is about the flight attendants who've been trained to watch for trafficked children on airplanes. So why don't you tell our audience about that and how you're using this and how you got that great information. That, that was a powerful video. That is such a great organization. It's called um, Airline Ambassadors. And um, I just love them because they are also considered prevention. But they're rescuing too. But what, what, because no one is closer when you're on a plane uh, than the flight attendant in order to see if there's, you know, if they, when they're bringing water or food or, you know, checking on the passengers, they can see if a child is uncomfortable. They can see if, you know, we have intuition. We do. So you can tell, you know, if something's not right and they don't have to say a word. All they need to do is make a phone call. And when that plane lands, because now it's federal, once it's up in the air, when that plane lands, then they come and they check out the situation. And if it's nefarious, then they're being arrested and that child is being saved. It is the most incredible organization. And so she started, she was a flight attendant herself and, and she was doing humanitarian work already, like in, you know, other countries and with children. So she, she did exactly what we were just talking about. She decided what her skills were, her skill set to uh, create this organization, airline ambassadors, and to, to, for prevention, to be able to, uh, uh, if they see something nefarious, be able to rescue that child um, before they're trafficked and brought to another country. And so it started out just as flight attendants, and then it opened up, of course, and then she got everyone in the, the airline industry to be trained. And um, so it's become um, a, a, this incredible organization where now most um, um, airlines are training their, their whole staff, you know, from, from pilot all the way to, you know, ticket salesperson. So um, – yeah, it's a great organization. Everybody knows it in the airlines. Wonderful. And this one woman started that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, and that's what I mean by how if you were, if you want to do something, you know, start with whatever your skills and your and your career are. You know. Yes. Yeah. Well, what a great success for her to achieve mm -hmm. that. So they um, even um, her husband created I forget what it's called, um, but it's a uh, it's like a little device. It's an app. Sorry, not a device. It's an app. He created an app where um, if somebody sees something in the airport or anywhere, right, basically, it's, but you can call in and and they can immediately find that person. Um, Oh, I wish I knew the name of the app right now. I'm so sorry because <laughs> it's really incredible. But her husband created that app. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, I have it's it amazing in the video. Yes, I want to see the video. What, uh, what's the video called if they go to your 26-second uh, YouTube account? All, all the videos that are from the U.S. content, I think it's under uh, – it's in the playlist, right? And and it's a folder called Sex Trafficking in the US. Or Sex okay. Trafficking in America. Either Sex Trafficking in America or Sex Trafficking in the US. And um and theirs is called Sex Trafficking in the Air. That's the title of that video. Sex yes. Trafficking in the Air. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what you're talking about is that most victims 
from the sex trade, they have to be uh, first. You work you work on prevention, but then you work on uh, rescuing them and restoring them and reintegrating them. So uh, let's cover some of these right now and your films that you've made about this, so we understand how to market the film while we're making it, because this is where most filmmakers really need guidance. Well, you know, I remember um, um, a friend of mine who, who's, you know, he's in marketing. He, he marketed Passion of the Christ. So he's, you know, he, he's, he's done w- very well. So he, he said to me, his name is Paul Lauer. I love him. His, uh, his, organi- I mean, his company is called Motive Marketing. And he was responsible for um, uh, Passion of the Christ, Chronicles of Narnia, the Bible series. Like, he's done incredible work. Anyhow, um, he asked me the question. He says, Kelly, you need to pick the top three out of prevention, rescue, restoration, reintegration, or prosecution, right? He goes, because I covered it from A to Z, my film. He goes, you need to only pick three. That's the best way to market. And I was like, Paul, I can't. They're all important, right? And and then the more I thought about it, um, there are two that are, okay, absolutely rescue and restoration are imperative, right? You, you need to rescue the girl and you need to restore her and heal her, of course. But if we were, if, if, if the question is, how do we end sex trafficking? How, how, how do we end this in our lifetime? Well, then prevention would be the most important. Prevention is about educating people. It's about preventing, it's about, um, if, because bottom line is there would be no Traffickers wouldn't be interested in selling girls if it wasn't that profitable, meaning if, the de- if there was no demand. If there was no demand, then, then traffickers would move on. They'd go back to selling weapons and drugs, right? Because right now it's, it's, uh, sex tra- selling children has exceeded selling weapons and drugs because it's easier. There's less jail time. There's le- they make more money. It's $150 billion a year industry, and that's only with the statistics that we know. We don't know the statistics online whatsoever. So it's probably much more. And so, so when I answered the question, yeah, if we're going to end this in our lifetime, then it would be prevention. So that's creating awareness. That's making um, laws, prosecution much tougher. So because as soon as it's not easy or profitable for the trafficker, or if there was no demand, then there wouldn't be trafficking. Right. Right. So prevention is key. We, and I think that that's really what my film is doing by, you know, by people viewing what's happening and, and what these organizations are doing. So they're, you know, it's creating awareness, right, which is prevention, hopefully. Um, so that's why Saved in America focuses on prevention and so does airline ambassadors, right? But it's also rescue because if they're obviously if there's a child – you know, that has been trafficked, they're going to rescue them. But they're trying to, to save the child prior to being rescued because once a child is trafficked, there is so much trauma and PTSD. It's a lifetime of healing. It's a lifetime. Oh, my goodness. It's a lifetime. So you want to save that child prior. Now, in other countries, because people always ask me the question, what are the similarities and what are the differences in, in, uh, of sex trafficking in the countries? Well, and I always say the similarities are money. It's all about money. Someone's making money, right? The differences are culturally, right? So in the, the more um, poor countries like Cambodia and India, it's about survival. So even their own parents will sell these children to make money. So, so that's, that's an area of prevention. We need to get in there and help these people to be able to earn a living so they're not selling their children. Yes. Right. You know what I mean? So it is, it is about prevention. Um, now, how, how can we get there? Well, I'll tell you, Carol, I'm a little upset. I just found out that $200 million was given to the Paisley Park in San Francisco by – and I don't want – this is not political. It's just not right. <laughs> I don't care which side of the aisle it's on. $200 million was given to Paisley Park. That's a, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like they have condos and restaurants. It's like this beautiful uh, elite area in San Francisco. It's, it's, okay. They don't need money. Right. It's, it's already beautiful. And they kicked $20 million back to Pelosi for this. 
no. That's our our taxpayers' money. And that money could have been spent on infrastructure, number one, because that's what it was. That's what it was. That $200 million was for Paisley Park for infrastructure. No, we have horrible roads all throughout this country. $200 million should have not been sent to Paisley Park and $20 million kicked back to Pelosi. But aside from that, there's money out there that they're giving to people. Why couldn't that $200 million be sent to prevention for children in the sex trade? Not only in this country, but in other countries. We give other countries money for other things. Right, right. This is a very important statement. You're absolutely right. right. Yes. I mean, I mean, whoa. And so how it starts is we have to vote in. First of all, I think there should be term limits, but, you know, that, that will never happen because either side aren't going to vote against them being able to have a lifetime career in politics, right? So it's not going to happen. <laughs> but we need right. to vote. Us, the people, need to vote in the people that are going to do uh, – uh, to support bills that where the money's going to the right places. Yes. Anyway, it just ma- it makes me crazy because that's a lot of money. Yes, it is. A You're right. Well, what I w- let's hear about a, the most inspiring survivor story that you have to share with us. I would well to me, and I will pick one story, but I have to tell you, to me, they're all heroes. They, they, these girls are resilient. They are talented. They are. I mean, I mean, talk about. Uh, brave um uh, i mean th- th- these girls have been through so much and they and when i'm interviewing them yes they'll cry when, uh, maybe on a certain story but then 2 seconds later they're smiling and laughing you know what i mean they're so i mean what they've been through it's amazing that they could even have any kind of joy i mean they really have been with darkness i mean Pimps beat them. I mean, beat the shit out of them oh, if they don't make their quota. And, and that's that's the least of it. They are sold to men that are disgusting, that want to hurt them to be able to, you know, I mean, they, they want to, I mean, they, you know, people have all kinds of fetishes, but they do the worst when they're paying for it. And it's to a child. Most of these men have children. They're the age of these girls that they're, that they're buying. But some are, it's not just normal sex, let me tell you. It's they'll smother them, you know, almost, you know, where they're unconscious because that's, they get off on, I, I don't even know what it's called, snuff or something. They'll, I mean, they do all kinds of, like, I mean, it's crazy. And these are children. No woman well, should go through this in life, let alone a child. Absolutely. And there's so, men that I, I personally, the youngest child that I interviewed was seven, and that was in Iraq. Um, uh, uh, but let me tell you, there are men that only want babies. Babies. When they have sex with them, they break their ribs from having sex with them. And, and then when that child's no good anymore, they'll, then they, th- there's traffickers that will sell their organs. Carol, it's disgusting. There's real evilness and satanic cults that are out there. That sells children. And the most vulnerable, I'm sorry to say, you know, everyone, but is, is this border crisis. Once these children get come over here, they don't even know where they're at. You know why they don't know where they're at? Because they're being trafficked. That's why. Well, what, you mean they're, they're being trafficked across the border and somebody over here is waiting to put them yep. into other cities for trafficking, right? Yes. Yes. Children. So do These people aren't coming the over children? here for a better life. They're, they're trafficking children over here because there's a huge business in, tra- in trafficking children. Huge. Okay. Some men want just so, little boys. Some, some, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, the, anyways, the question was back to who, you know, what was the most, to me, they're all, it, 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 it's incredible that they can even be alive. The ones that make it, a lot die. They'll either, they've been overdosed or they've committed suicide or they actually kill them. Um, for, you know, for, so, so a lot of them don't even make it out. So the ones that make it out uh, and they can still smile mm-hmm. is incredible to me. 
You could imagine so, knowing what you know, yes. So there there are places that take them in and help to restore them and get them reintegrated into society, right? Correct. And that's why uh, restoration, I mean, prevention... Yes, prevention. Sorry, my mom had the vacuum cleaner on. Uh, um, so um, that's why prevention is so important so that the child's never even trafficked because once they're trafficked, it's a lifetime of healing. Right. It's a right. lifetime. So awful. It, the whole, you know, I have to say, Carol, you know, when I first started this, I thought, you know, I don't know. I thought, I don't know. I was naive. I thought this project was going to take me like two or three years. And, and uh, you know, here it's five years later. And, and I have a, a colleague of mine that said, oh, documentaries can take 10 years. You're, you're doing great. And I said, well, good. <laughs> so, but, but, but I was actually really happy that it has taken this long because what has happened is I learn more as I go and more is being revealed. And, and the whole point was to really educate the viewer on trafficking from A to Z. You know, why it happens, right. that it's happening globally. Um, it's, it's from babies to young uh, girls to, you know, young, young, you know, young adults. Like, you know, they start, they start trafficking. The average age is like, um, I mean, again, there, there, there's, there's certain uh, uh, traffickers that will sell only babies or only, you know, two-year-olds or only uh, five-year-olds or whatever, right? There is that. But the average age really is 12 to 15 where they traffic girls. So that means that that's a child. And so what happens, if that was their life as a child, then, of course, they're going to continue being in having a pimp in their as a young adult. Do you know what I mean? They know no other life. Yeah, they know no right. other life. But but let me. Uh, I, I will share. I there's so many girls that I just love and have are incredible. But there is one, and she's uh, her name is Ori Freeman. She was trafficked between 12 and 15, and Ori now, she's a, she's a survivor advocate. But Ori now is. Are you still there? Yes. Did I'm I lose you? Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't. My phone. I didn't see it on. Um, uh, she now trains the FBI. She trains police officers. Like so, she is doing incredible work. She she is absolutely a survivor advocate. She's real. She's in one of the videos, by the way. She's in the one that says, um, "Oh, sex trafficking near Disneyland." She's in yes. that video. She was trafficked across the street from Disneyland. I remember her telling me that um, she said, you know, she was like, she was young, like 12. And she was in these, you know, awful dingy motels across the street from Disneyland. She would look out the window and she would see families, you know, taking their kids to Disneyland while she was being raped by grown men. Oh, my I mean, yeah. And, and again, why did the trafficker take her across the street from Disneyland? Because there's people, because there's men there. Right. And probably right. that man had his family at, at a hotel down the street. He said, honey, I'm going to go get something. I'll be back. And, you know, and he goes and buys a child. Incredible. Ugh. Horrific. Well, it is horrific. Well, tell us what tips you can share with filmmakers about promoting their film while they're making it, because you're doing a wonderful job of that. And that's what we want filmmakers to learn how to do. I would say, uh, um, again, I was learning as I went, but I would definitely encourage creating a YouTube channel uh, because the world after, during, you know, during COVID has really changed a lot now. They're doing a lot of um, uh, virtual screenings. They're, you know, people have all kinds of talk shows now on whatever subject. Um, so if you are working on a project that um, – you know, you know, some kind of humanity value or whatever, whatever it is. It could even be about, you know, um, you know, needing a lawyer, you know, whatever, right? Whatever your, uh, your, your project is on, I would definitely create a YouTube channel and do little uh, videos. It, 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 um, it creates, again, it, it creates awareness about whatever you're working on, the, the topic. It creates awareness about your project, uh, which is very important. And, um, 
and you you begin to have like a, a you know instead of a, a mailing list it's like a which you can get their emails but but it's like a following right and so then so when your project is finally completed you've got these people waiting to see it because they've seen all these little segments all these little um, you know, trailers or teasers or, or or interviews, whatever you want to put out. Exactly. People are asking. Right. Yeah. People are asking me actually, and maybe I will in the future. I just don't think now's the time. But they said, Kelly, you know, because I interviewed about, uh, you know, ten survivors in each country and about twenty six here in the U.S. They said, why don't you interview these people on on your YouTube channel? And I could, but but I interviewed them for my film, and you know, when you edit, you you can. You know, you're telling a story. So, um, you know, I'm a, you know, being a director, I'm a storyteller, right? So, I, um, I want to finish my film. Obviously, these, these, you know, I'll be, I'll probably be doing about five more videos for YouTube and then start the feature. But I want to finish that. But maybe then after that, of course, I could open that up and and maybe interview survivors after my film is done. You know what I mean? Right. Could do that too. Right. I just don't want to do it yet because I want to tell it in my, you know, the stories through the videos and in my feature, you know. Right. I think that's exactly what we want to see. We've got to see the horrific uh, situation that we're dealing with and then some survivors and how you can help uh, prevent and then Mm -hmm. help uh, capture uh, or identify people who are caught in that and rescue them. Well done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, tell us where can people donate to help you finish oh, yes. this feature? Yes. Well, of course, I have my funding campaign through um, from the Heart Production. <laughs> it's called We Did It, and um, so I like to say, you know, we did it. We completed production, but now we're you know raising funding to complete the feature doc. And um, and of course, if they go onto my website. Uh, there's a donate button that says make a difference donate you can click on that it'll take you and there's also a a a tab that says donate so both of those will take you to the uh funding campaign and um and i have it also in the description of every video on youtube like if you go to the description it has the the we did it um link um the funding campaign link um so my website is 26seconds.com so it's 26 and then lowercase seconds with an S, plural, and then doc, D-O-C for documentary. So 26secondsdoc.com, and you will find the um, the, um, web, uh, the 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 donate tab and also the donate button, and it will take you directly to the We Did It funding campaign. Thank you so much, Kelly. We really appreciate the work you're doing. Uh, I'm sorry, but our time is almost up, and I've loved every minute of it, and I sincerely appreciate what you're doing uh, in the educational side, first of all, so we all recognize the enormity of this. I had no idea it was so gigantic and heinous. Yes, that's the word. That's the word. Right. And, you know, I'm going to – real quick, I'm going to – because I, uh, we can't get too much into it because I know our time's up, but I just want you to know that I'm very concerned with what's happening in Afghanistan because I personally filmed in Iraq, where, and they were the worst interviews of all of them. What ISIS did to these Yazidi and Christian girls was horrific, and I'm very concerned that it's going to, you know, history's going to repeat itself in Afghanistan for these women and young girls and children. Very yeah, who, concerned. Who, who are Christian? And they will identify uh, not 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 just Christian. I mean, they'll probably kill Christian uh, girls, Christian Yazidi girls. But if there are Yazidis in in Afghanistan, I'm not sure. But um, no, I'm talking about um, trafficking uh, young women and children in Afghanistan girls. We, we, yeah, the, the, the Western world now is being. Um, <laughs> Uh, wiped out, you know, maybe we shouldn't have been there in the first place. I'm not sure, but I do know the last 20 years that these girls have experienced freedom. They've experienced being able to to have jobs and go to school. And, and um, the the Taliban is reversing that completely. They, they, They want it. They have their own law. They said, and it's Shira law. And I don't know if you've read Shira law, but they believe, you know, they can have child brides. They believe in that. So, um, this is a very horrific thing that has happened. Right. Yes. 
Yes. And, and I and I know because I've 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 witnessed it firsthand. I was in Iraq when ISIS was there. I was there before it was even uh, liberated. ISIS was 20 miles away from us. So and I interviewed these girls. I interviewed a seven-year-old that they oh my raped and sold. So um, I'm very concerned. As we all thank should you. Be. Yes, we all should be. Thank you so much, Kelly. All right, let's get the uh, addresses again. So it's 26secondsdoc.com. Yes. And do you do you also post it like or yes, no. Claire can post okay, that good. on okay. on this screen <laughs> with our blog talk show for you. We could also, right. I can email you the, uh, we did it link directly if you want, but they can find the the funding campaign if they go to my website, for sure. Yes, let's send them to the website, to the website. Okay. They want to see, people should see the films you've made. They're fabulous. Yeah, yes. there's a, a tab called The Watch, and, and there, all those videos that are on YouTube are on my website. It's on a tab titled Watch, and you'll all those videos are there, or they can go, also there's like a YouTube um uh, where you can click and go to my YouTube channel and you can watch them there as well. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. Well, we'll come back to you in another yes. six months and see where you are, what new yes. funding <laughs> methods you're using. All right? Thank you so okay. much. Yeah. Thank you, Carol. God bless. Lots of good luck. Kelly. God bless you. you. All right. Take Bye. good care, Kelly, Bye. and thank you for your okay. courageous work that you're doing. Thank you so yes. much, Claire. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. 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 Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>